17th. Have you ever noticed how passing through trouble opens the way to greater joy? On Sunday, I shared about how Sandy and I walked part of the Camino de Santiago in northern Spain this past spring. We hadn't prepared so well for this 75-mile hike. Well, not as much as we, we should have, and we felt it for a number of reasons. First, there are actual hills to climb. In Miami, we can do the stairs, and we even walked the bridge on Rickenbacker Causeway a few times. But that didn't prepare us for, for what we were going to face in Spain. Also, <laughs> to speak frankly, our age is catching up to us. We originally planned on walking the Camino 10 years ago, but that trip fell through when Sandy injured her foot. Adding 10 years to our ages didn't make the walk easier. On the contrary, it made it tough. It was difficult, not simply because we walked long distances each day, but we did so day after day for the better part of a week. Now, along the way, Sandy and I talked about many things. And one thing I asked her is if we might return and walk another section of the Camino next year. The pilgrimage path we were on is actually over 400 miles long, and there was more that we can walk. But she made it absolutely clear that there was no way she was going to do that. It was too tough, too painful. She asked me what friend I'd be asking to walk with me. Count her out, she said. Now I want to get to our scripture passage for today. This is John chapter 16, verse 19 to 20. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now, as Jesus is explaining the pathway to joy to his disciples, he goes on to add the illustration of a woman who is in labor. I've been told never as a man to use this illustration in preaching, because I've never experienced the pain of childbirth. As a man, it's advisable to stay away from this one. But Jesus uses labor as a way to talk about how joy comes and to tell the disciples when they will experience it. Jesus' illustration also shows us a bit about how joy works, how the disciples will experience it, and how we can as well. Now, I want to go back to that hike Sandy and I took on the Camino in Spain. During the walk, when we were feeling the pain of it all, of course, her response to the invitation to take such a walk again was, No, you've got to be kidding me. But when we finished, she actually did. You see, the pain of the journey was transformed by the experience of accomplishment. We actually got a little certificate to bring home. It wasn't much considering all that we had put into the pilgrimage, but the point was clear. Our pain and struggle actually contributed to our joy. And this is what Jesus is saying about his cross and resurrection. The way forward will be devastating for the disciples. Try to imagine how pain it, painful it would be for them 
to see Jesus arrested and accused and tried for a crime he did not commit, and then sentenced to the worst sort of execution imaginable. They know Jesus. They know his love and all that he has done to make the Father known. They've heard his teaching and seen his compassion in action. They've marveled at who he is, and they've committed themselves to follow him. Now they will enter into the grief of Jesus' death. What a dark day it was. The disciples hid. They scattered. They were crestfallen and devastated by the loss. Where would they go? What would they do? They had no idea what would happen next. Then Jesus appeared to them alive. The Gospel of Luke explains what happened. They were startled and frightened, that's the disciples, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still not, did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. We can see from that eating scene, by the way, that's Luke 24, verse 37 to 42. We can tell from his eating with them that this wasn't a wish dream. They could see his hands and sides, and they could actually eat with Jesus. Here was that joy that Jesus promised. They knew he was alive. Now imagine what this knowledge did to them. It meant that their world had changed. Their sins were forgiven. Because Jesus lives, they will live also. What Jesus taught is all true, and his promises can be trusted. And this realization began to change everything about their lives. The fact that Jesus passed through such mistreatment and death to life made the glory of it all all the more beautiful and powerful. A joy was lit like a fire that could not be put out. The fuel for that fire was the love of Jesus, and it swept through the lives of the disciples and carried them along for the rest of their lives. And this is why, despite the extraordinary difficulties the disciples faced, Their lives were characterized by that joy. Paul, for example, in his letter to the Philippians, calls the church to rejoice with him, even though he's in prison. He even says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whatever comes, it is all good, because I am found in Christ, he says. And this is also where we stand. And this is the joy we are called to live in. Let's pray. It's true, Lord. You have shown us a life that cannot be extinguished, a hope that never runs dry. Enable us to live in the light of this glorious promise. To the praise of your name, amen.